I think most folks are looking at the totality of Mike Bloomberg and realizing that he is the only candidate who can defeat Donald Trump, which is the number one issue for black voters. In any poll that you look at, the number one issue for African-American voters is defeating Donald Trump and getting his reckless behavior out of the White House. boys and girls. This is uh, week number two of the Alabama Politics This Week podcast with Josh Moon and David Person. David Person. Man, we are so good at that. As long as you point. You know? <laughs> then people, I know. <laughs> see, people didn't even know I was pointing. People thought we were just that in tune. You know, uh, right there together. Simpatico. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, things, are, uh, things are moving right along here with, with the podcast. I think... Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, things are going right. about as well as we had uh, had hoped for. Well, we got you said thousands of people yeah. are signing well, up, right? Yeah, uh, we, we're doing okay. All right, we're doing okay. We're, Love uh, that. We're we're the uh, we're the number one uh, weekly politics podcast in Alabama. Hey, hey. <laughs> 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 like, it's are like we're we Fox and you know, the Are we the only yeah, one in Alabama? Man, <laughs> man, come on now. It's like when uh, Fox said, you know, the number one new comedy in weeknights. Right, you know, right, right. Like, <laughs> I mean, you're the only new comedy in weeknights. Uh, but it's all right. You know, listen. This we'll is, take uh, it. We'll take it. We're where we are. We could be last. That's know? right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, could be. That's right. We'll right. take it. Yeah. We're uh, we're opening this thing up. We've got uh, got a couple of uh, good guests on this week. Uh, Michael Nutter. Yeah. Um, uh, we're, it's going to join us. We, it's actually for the second week. Uh, we had some we had some technical difficulties Ooh. last week with Mr. Nutter and uh, a former mayor of Philadelphia. And uh, not, his to, no, not his fault. No, not his fault. We we just had yeah. some miscommunication on what mm. was taking place there. And mm. so, uh, but we got him on this week, and we're like mm. old friends now. Uh, we so uh, we're going to. Uh, we told him we're going to probably get him on every week. Uh, <laughs> he's good. Uh, yeah, he, he is. is good. Yeah. He is very very good uh, at the at the politics game, and uh, he's a uh, was one of the early endorsers. Of, of Mayor Bloomberg, uh, and so he kind of explains that and, and gives some insight into into what's going on with that campaign and where they are. And I think y'all had a, a really good conversation uh, back and forth about uh, several issues that need to be addressed in mm-hmm. that race. And uh, also, uh, we have uh, the, uh, the party chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party, Chris Engel, yeah. uh, on. Uh, got to can, can talk to him about what what ended up being breaking news because you know we record this thing on Thursdays, right. uh, and and that's when. Uh, uh, Montgomery Circuit Court Judge uh, Greg Griffin dismissed a lawsuit uh, that had been filed by the former chairperson Nancy Worley and uh, was backed by Joe Reed and some others there. And I, um, and, and so they pretty keep, much expected. Yeah, pretty much. There was, that I mean, was, I, there was nowhere to go. There yeah. was nowhere to go with that lawsuit. And yeah. and so it was always, you know, what what are you hoping to gain? I mean, the you know the Democratic National Committee obviously recognizes England and yeah. uh, and Patricia Todd as being the leaders of that group. They you know they're the ones who certify the candidates. They're the, you know that's where the money is going to. That's right. who they're they're following the bylaws that they. I, I, so I never really understood what the hope was out of the lawsuit. Well, um, you know, I mean, you you. I guess if you believe in your position, you 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 follow it to the death, yeah. and so that's what they've done in a sense. And yeah. I mean that, of course, metaphorically. But sure. what I but but what I do say is, uh, while I think this was an inevitable 
And while I think this was the appropriate outcome because of the DNC's position, Mm -hmm. I still maintain, and I know that this is something that Alabama Democrats still tussle over, but I still maintain that 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 we need a productive, face-saving way for Joe Reed and Nancy Worley to be resolved, for this mm-hmm. situation to be resolved, mm-hmm. so that we don't, and I know there's debate about this, but I, I still believe that, that there are a number of people, and, and mainly African Americans in the state of Alabama, mm-hmm. who are going to look at this through the lens of race and, and feel Despite everything Doug Jones laid out to us last week, they're still going to see this as a disenfranchisement of of black people, black Democrats in the state of Alabama. Yeah, I you know, I think that's I think that's lessened by the the facts uh, a little bit, uh, you know, well, I, because I, that's that's if you that's if you give the facts credence over your Feelings. See, there's perception, and we know perception is reality. And and I think while that's a fact, it's also a fact that um, while you know everything Doug said was true, Mm -hmm. it's also true that uh, Joe Reed has had, uh, like him or not, he's had a tremendously positive impact Mm -hmm. on the state of Alabama, like him or not. He, you know, Bloomberg kissed the ring. Others mm-hmm. kissed that ring. And so I'm just saying, I think we have to we have to see a resolution yeah. that gives him a safe phasing, a face, a, a face saving way to see this resolved. And one that gives respect to him and to his legacy. All right. Well, I think I think first, I think that that you that will probably happen. I, I think there have been some ongoing talks. I've heard uh, that with, with people. I've heard uh, that, that yeah. there have been some reaching out uh, from uh, you know, from Anthony Daniels and um, and, and some others. You yeah. know that that have uh, you know they they've had conversations in the background and and they've talked uh, a whole lot about uh, you know what can be done, where they are, what's going on with everything, and so I I think that there there will be a uh, you know, there there will be a resolution uh, to the, to the things that that helps that out. I, I hope I, so. Yeah, and, and listen, you're right. I, uh, first of all, I mean, I you know, I've I've covered Joe Reed for a long time mm-hmm. uh, in in Montgomery, and from from one kind of rabble rouser to another, uh, you know, I have <laughs> great respect for, right. for what he's doing. And the and listen, never has there been a better thorn in anyone's side than Joe Reed. Okay, and, and that's coming from another thorn. Right, 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 right. So, right, right, so right, I right, I, right. I have a tremendous tremendous respect for the ability that he has to get under the skin of people. And and to and take a position that he knows is right, that he's going to hold his ground, and he's going to do everything to annoy the hell out of you until you see his position or and give it some the credence that it deserves. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I, I do appreciate what he has done, and and what and that tactic has been very very successful for the for the Alabama Democratic Party, not in recent years, uh, but it, historically mm-hmm. it has. And and so yeah, I think you're right. I think where where he has to uh, where they have to get back to is just some level of respect for everybody yeah uh and and, you know he's he's gonna have to come to terms with the fact that 
he is not in control right. of the party. And right. I think that's going to be difficult, having covered yes. him at ASU yes. uh, for many years there. That was a difficult move for him. And I hope it does not wind up like it did at ASU, where people are out chiseling his name off the side of a building. Well, um, so, yeah, you know, because uh, uh, yeah, he, he is he is more valuable mm-hmm. uh, than, than that, okay? He Absolutely. was more valuable at ASU. He's more valuable to the Democratic Party. He's more valuable to the particularly the black caucus of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. in this state. And so I, I really hope that, that, that things are, are are taken up to some degree there with, with some level of, uh, of respect. And I got I to gotta say something about black men of his age and from his era, mm-hmm. because I had a father who also was a, uh, shall we say, an expert rabble rouser mm-hmm. and thorn in the side, not so much in terms of uh, you know, not in terms of Alabama politics, because my, you know, my father lived most of his adult life in um, the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. But I, I watched him there in Chicago, growing up in the black community there, in our church community there, and he was a he was a hellraiser and a rabble rouser too. Yeah. And I think that what I what I've actually concluded, and I've talked to some of my buddies, who African American buddies, who who have fathers who are more or less from the same era and of the same age. And what I've, what I've concluded is that it took for these men to survive Jim Crow. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about men that were born in the 20s and, yes. and 30s primarily. You know, for these men to survive Jim Crow and the indignities of Jim Crow, the horrors of Jim Crow, it took a certain kind of personality. Mm-hmm. It took a certain kind of temperament. It mm-hmm. took it took a certain kind of disposition. Mm-hmm. And these men are not going. These are these in many many cases, you know, for the ones who are truly leaders or who are who are spokespeople or who are outspoken. They don't go quietly into the night. No, no. They no. don't know how yeah. to go quietly no. into the night. And in fact, I would even argue it, it's probably. That probably their very survival. Mm-hmm. You had to be one of two ways to be a black man living through that time. You either had to be extremely quiet and deferential, mm-hmm. or you had to be somebody that they were just like, "Damn, don't yeah. want to mess with that guy," <laughs> yeah. because he'll shoot back, yeah. you know, or he'll fire back, yeah. or he won't be quiet. Yeah, you know. So I'm saying, I think that. That, you know, that's the cloth that from which Joe Reed has been cut. Mm-hmm. And so we have to understand that and yeah. we have to sort of accommodate that, you know, again, yeah. understanding, you know, yeah. what 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 led to that mm-hmm. and what created that? No, I, I certainly I certainly don't disagree at all. I, I, I you know, I. You know, also, I think kind of mixed into that a little bit is a, is a way of, of doing things and a way of seeing, um, you know, conflict uh, and, and attacking conflict uh, that, you know, was was very beneficial for a number of years uh, for for him uh, and, and the causes that he was supporting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know if that has necessarily been as beneficial to him and his legacy and the things and for the Alabama Democratic Party in the last several years. And, no, I, I uh, don't disagree. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah, I, I, just, I, I just think, I think that they don't. Yeah, it's hard for people of that. And again, no disrespect to anybody in that age group, but from my observations of my father mm-hmm. and Joe Reed and other men, 
Uh, I just feel that they don't make that transition very well. Yeah, I, I, I'm not criticizing at all. Right, because, right. Because it, it, unless you live through it, who the hell are you to criticize? Right. People, you know what I mean? And, and, and so and they have a. And the other thing, Josh, too, is I mean, and and I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate you acknowledging that. You know, the other thing is we don't and we don't really talk about this a lot, but men and probably women too from that era. Mm-hmm. They may not show it, they may not say it, but they have a tremendous distrust of white people. Yeah. And you know what? Understandably damn so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know, there's there's been, you know, a lot of times in in, in my life and covering different things, you know, because we've I've covered a lot of yeah. civil rights issues, a lot of things, you know, I've basically started in newspapers covering a historically black college, you know, yeah. so. Uh, ASU? You know, yes. Okay. Yeah, I started, mm-hmm. I started covering the ASU years ago uh, and, uh, uh, and, and learned, it was, it was quite the education for, uh, you know, a white college kid from, from Alabama who had really no experience in, in that in that world of historically black colleges and uh, all, you know, all that goes into the games. I mean, just, I would really like to go back and record my face when I saw the first halftime show. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, uh, first of all, I was like, you know, I, I was leaving out and nobody got up. Right, 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 right. halftime. What are we doing? Right. Everybody's going to eat, right? right? People are coming in. You know? Coming in. That's right. That's right. Now it's really starting. Yeah, exactly. That's right. That's and right. So I, I didn't know what was going on. I, I learned quickly. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, it, it is, you don't, you, you can't set that aside, uh, you know, and, and I understand that I wish that uh, I've wished a lot of times that it, uh, that I could kind of break through with a lot of people who, who I interviewed, you know, I interviewed a number of people for the 50th anniversary of the Selma to Montgomery March, uh, you know, and I, I knew as I sat and talked to those people that they didn't, they didn't necessarily, it wasn't necessarily a thing of trust or dislike or anything, but it wasn't, they were not going to open up to me. You know, and and I know why, and it's it, it's unfortunate. I mean, and I, I'm not whining about myself. Right, I, right, I, right. I, I don't get, get me wrong. I'm just that. making an observation about right. it. I understand right. why why it is and why it happened. I wish that I could have have done it, but you know that was one of the things that I always said was you know, we we've got to hire more uh, black journalists uh, at the paper and, mm-hmm. and, and in media to to be able to tell the stories adequately. Uh, of that generation of those people because they don't want to tell it to me, you know, right. and, right. and no matter what I do or what I say or, you know, I understand, you know, man, yeah. you listen, they, they weren't t- turning dog, you know, the right. people who look like me had the dogs and the water right. hoses right. and things, you know, and the so, dogs, the water hoses who were, uh, as, as, uh, uh, as Reese Taylor's, uh, the woman who was gang raped in 1944 mm-hmm. in Abbeville, as her brother told me, uh, you know, it wasn't just the dogs and water hoses. It was the white men who felt it so entitled to have access to the wives of black men mm-hmm. that they were even being killed when they didn't give that access. Yeah. He had a cousin who was killed in his own home, I believe, yeah. over not over not allowing uh, a white man to just waltz in and have his way with his wife. I mean, that was the kind of stuff they were living with. So. You know, I'm not talking about an active hate or anything like that, but just a real sort of they've been conditioned to and understandably so, you know, to have, a, I think, a real reticence, mm-hmm. 
you know, to trusting white people and trusting white society because yeah. they know what has happened. Yeah. And they live through horrors that we don't live through right now. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully. Thankfully. Yeah. So I yeah. just, you know, uh, it, it's, it's, boy, it's just an awful thing. You know, and, and yeah. you mentioned uh, Ms. Taylor and, you know, that was, you know, one of the kind of the histories that, that, that often get overlooked and some of the other stuff that uh, was Rosa Parks. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and many people, I remember I, uh, when I think it was Oprah, uh, on a yeah. Oscars show Yeah, she was getting her Oscar yeah. uh, lifetime. And mentioned this, and, and people were like, who? Rizzy Taylor, who? Yeah. What are you they talking about? You know, and, and Rosa Parks investigated that. Yeah, investigated She it. was she, sent down by the NAACP. She investigated a lot of, of, yeah. of those type cases, and she took on a yeah. lot of, of powerful white men at mm. that time, sheriffs and lawyers and other people. Uh, and who threatened that, her very life yeah, in and some cases. Yeah, she kept going. And yep. she, you know, and after all of that, then mm-hmm. she went and didn't give up the seat on the bus yeah. and did, and yeah. did all, the, all those things. And so, you know, it's remarkable life. And so that's, uh, you know, uh, that is, but that's you know, where we are, you know, and yeah. that's, this is the state we live in. These are the consequences for the actions of, of history. And, uh, and, you know, and so many people had to fight that fight for the, for voting rights, which is. You know, and it's going to kind of it's a weird transition here, but uh, get us a little bit into one of the major topics of this week, news wise, which is the vote on Amendment one uh, here in the state, which would abolish the elected school board uh, and replace it with an appointed board. Uh, I, for one, cannot fathom the concept of I'm going to vote to give up my right to vote. Right. Uh, (laughs) Right, There is no one, I believe, who knows better than me who who should best represent me? Right, you right, know, right. Uh, that's the reason we have this. Uh, is you're, you're you're electing people to represent your interests and in what you believe in 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 state government, on city councils, as mayors, uh, and on school boards. You represent the people who go in, in front of you and say, "Listen, I'm going to do X, Y, and Z." And if you believe in X, Y, and Z, then vote for me. If you don't, vote for this person who's doing ABC. I, how can that be wrong? Mm-hmm. How can that be wrong? No, I, and I get that. Now, and I guess the only counter I would have, and it's not a counter that to me in any way, shape, or form disqualifies, disqualifies what you're saying, because I think what you're saying is spot on. But I will say that you, I I think we all have the feeling that, it, and it's based on facts, so it's really not just a feeling, that our schools are in serious trouble, continue to be in serious trouble. And so you kind of think like, well, maybe it's just time for a whole scale change. But I will say that I think the change that really needs to happen mm-hmm. isn't at that level. Right. It's at the grassroots. It's at the school level. It's in the classrooms. It's in the functioning of the school systems. It's not really the change that's going to matter the most is not at that policy making level. Mm-hmm. So, you know, statewide policy making level. And so, you know, uh and then of course, you know, you have this concern about, well, if, you know, uh and now I'm I'm sort of moving back in your direction mm-hmm. now. I just had to put that sort of toss that caveat out there. But now, you know, moving back in the direction of your argument, Josh, you know, the other problem, I think, with with this uh, whole thing of moving to an appointed school board is, 
you know, not only are are we as voters surrendering the direct influence we have on who's who's on that board, mm-hmm. but we're empowering we're we're empowering one person primarily, mm-hmm. the governor of the state, whoever yes. that may be at any given time, to be the person who influences that direction. And you've yeah. got to question. So what's that going to be about? Yeah, you know what, and 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 what and what agenda mm-hmm. is going to be reflected in that? Yeah, and I know, for example, one issue that many of us have concern about uh, is the Republican and conservative uh, tendency to want to shift public money to private yes. wallets and private schools, mm-hmm. and 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 you can't help but wonder. Uh, whether or not this is something that is being put in place to help facilitate mm-hmm. further the siphoning off of public dollars. Yes, that's 100 percent. It's what's doing. Uh, so so I think there are actually two approaches uh, to this. And, and I'll, well, let me back up for just a second and say to the you know what, to your point there, I, I think that everybody agrees here that our schools are, are not where anybody wants them to be. And, and that's where it has been forever. Uh, you know, and we had this problem on a smaller level uh, in the city of Montgomery. Uh, the city of Montgomery schools were, were terrible, some of the worst in the state, uh, you know, that school system there. And people were leaving out left and right trying to get out of those out of those out of that system. But the issue was not and they because they tried to do the same thing and, and they blamed the board uh, for this thing. And it's the same thing that's happened at the state level. Well that board has turned over, you know, multiple times over the last however many decades now. Uh same with the with the city of Montgomery or the county uh, board in Montgomery. Mm-hmm. And so it, it it always seemed like that was the easiest place because those are the faces and the names that you can attach to to the the school system is right. to go and say these people are the problem because they're the board you know right. and what ha- has always been the case is funding has always been yep. an issue yep. and and our the the way that we go about uh, providing. Uh, benefits has always been mm-hmm. a, a, been an issue. The way that we have gone about equalizing funding uh, mm-hmm. for all students and all schools uh, that has been a major, major, major issue, issue, major problem for yeah. us over the years. And so, until you until you fix those things, and then make you know, you don't matter who you put on that yeah. board. Yeah. You can put the greatest uh, educational minds in America on that board, and they're not going to fix the problems until you fix the root causes of those problems. Mm-hmm. There, uh, and so it, you know that it's never made any sense to me how how people can say oh well you know this is the, this board right here that's the that's a huge problem are those boards you look at the, who's on that board and it's uh, it's a mix of conservatives uh and liberals and people with with education backgrounds and people that were that came from the business world and somehow or another when they get on that board uh they're all uh against whatever nonsense comes from the state legislature because they see it at ground level and they mm-hmm. see what is happening and they see how these idiotic ideas mm-hmm. that the Republicans mostly have pushed on them over there for years, how they've had negative effects at the ground level and they're, and they resist those things. And then Republicans get angry because yeah. these people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing and helping us right. over here. And that's why they, they want to change the board to this uh, appointed thing. In addition to that, these people have also resisted removing those public dollars and sending them to private schools. And they have been resistant to the amount 
of change that Republicans want in implementing essentially uh, specific work training programs for specific businesses, Mm. Uh, you know, and that's what they're that's what they're getting into. The the big mules of the state Mm. are essentially trying to use our high schools as training grounds Mm. uh, here for for, to to get them into working, you know, jobs for them so they can avoid training programs at their own expense. Uh Uh, And so I'm all for training people that don't want to go to college, you know, because everybody we all went to school with a number of people who had no interest in college and who wanted to go work and earn a paycheck. And there is nothing shameful about that right. at all whatsoever. Right. And so work, those programs work. should yeah. be there. But mm-hmm. you, you can't limit people down. When you do that, when you when you limit them down, limit them down to uh, a specific trade uh, that's doing a specific job at a specific plant for a specific company, that's not helping them diversify their talents because if that company goes under what the hell are they left with right you know and so i think that's where they have also been a a slightly resistant to some of the 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 monumental change in that regard as well and i think that's what they're trying to get out of this and Mm -hmm. you know i I just think that we we've got to do a better job of uh, overall educating people and identifying problems in, in communities like let's say Montgomery, you know, I know that, that system best, uh, in Huntsville is a lot, a lot the same way and is headed in the same direction as Montgomery is, uh, you know, you've got to do a better job of, of educating the students who are there and you can moan all you want to about the societal problems and issues that, that go flow into the school and cause problems. But if you don't educate those kids, you're going to have issues way down the road That's for right. a long, long time. That's right. No. That's right. All right. We've probably gone way too long. <laughs> but you know what? You, you, you pay to listen, right? You, <laughs> <laughs> you're paying us to listen here. Uh, we're going to slide out of here. We'll come right back. We'll get uh, former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter in. Uh, and then stay tuned after that for uh, Alabama Democratic Party Chairman Chris England. This is Alabama Politics This Week. Welcome back. We are joined now by former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter, uh, who was uh, one of uh, Mayor Bloomberg's uh, original endorsers uh, here. Come come out of the gate really early with him. And uh, Mayor Nutter, uh, welcome to the, to the uh, podcast here with uh, Josh Moon, David Person. And uh, I guess uh, first off. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, David. Thanks glad, for having glad me. to have you on. I, I guess first thing we wanted to uh, to just kind of talk about is, is where do you think things stand uh, now, there have been a couple of debates. I think the first one did not go very well for uh, for Mayor Bloomberg, but I, I, I guess maybe the second one was a, was a little stronger for him. And uh, just I guess your assessment of where things stand with him right now in this campaign going forward. Sure. So we're active and aggressive, as you well know. Uh, excited about uh, Super Tuesday. Absolutely acknowledge. Uh, you know, first debate, uh, not our best, uh, not our best showing. Mike got stronger through that first debate, but definitely the second. 
completely different tone and tenor. I mean, he was not taking any stuff from anybody uh, on that stage. And I think reminded people uh, that he was mayor for 12 years of the biggest city in America, New York City. Uh, and uh, he is up to the challenge. Uh, and then he participated, of course, in a town hall uh, just last night. Uh, different kind of environment, more of an opportunity for people to get to know him uh, not only the leader, the business person, the philanthropist, but also uh, more uh, time as a person. Uh, I think our standing is pretty much still the same. We're uh, in most national polls. We're at the third. Uh, Mike has visited all 14 Super Tuesday states. Uh, to, with today's visit, I've been to 12. Uh, he gets around uh, a lot more than I do. Uh, but uh, we're serious. Uh, we're here in Alabama right now, and uh, we're not taking anything, anybody, anywhere. Uh, for granted, we've got a fantastic team on the ground. Uh, we're on the airwaves. Uh, it is virtually impossible to escape us on your TV, your cell phone, uh, your laptop, anything you open up, you're going to see Mike Bloomberg. <laughs> that, that, is, that is 100% uh, accurate. Uh, and for all the media organizations out there, we do thank it, him for the money. Uh, but <laughs> it, it makes the world go round. Uh, I understand but, that. You know, I, 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 would, I would wonder... You know, I, he's obviously taken some heat for the the past things, uh, you know, stop and frisk and some other stuff here. And I know that that is winning over African African American vote, uh, particularly in Alabama, uh, is a is a big key for him here. How how do you go about? Uh, kind of easing the fears of, of those voters when, when there is so much uh, of an attack on that past history? Well, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Mike is uh, particularly focused on public safety. Uh, when he came into office, over 700 homicides in New York City, the vast majority of those victims, black and brown men. And so Mike thought that he should do something uh, as the leader of New York. I know that the African-American community is particularly focused uh, on uh, public safety uh, and homicides in particular. Black men are 6% of the population of the United States of America, yet unfortunately are 52% of the homicide victims. And so uh, the effort uh, with regard to policing practices and strategies was always about public safety. But again, Mike has acknowledged that the Stop and Frisk program, uh, many, many things were done wrong. Uh, he has apologized for that. He has uh, sought redemption. Uh, and uh, forgiveness uh, from uh, all New Yorkers, but certainly uh, African-American and Latino communities uh, that were negatively affected and in some instances certainly traumatized uh, by that. But when you look at the totality of his service, uh, the 48 uh, percent reduction in homicides in New York during his 12 years, the 39 percent reduction in incarceration, the significant uh, gains in education, jobs, economic opportunity, for uh, African-Americans, and then, of course, the plans that he has put forward running for president, uh, the Greenwood Initiative, which he announced in Tulsa, uh, Oklahoma, uh, talking about uh, what had been there, Black Wall Street, and the fact that, uh, unfortunately, at the time, whites burned that city to the ground and also massacred over 200 people. Mike is about increasing black wealth. He's about uh, putting forward plans to uh, help one million African-Americans own uh, their homes, new homeowners, 100,000 new black-owned businesses, and put aside $70 billion to invest in communities uh, that have been left out and locked out of economic opportunity. So I think, as we all know, and certainly the black community is well aware, uh, you can't change the past, but you can do something uh, for the future. And I was taught and raised that if someone makes an apology 
uh, you should have enough grace in your heart uh, to accept that apology in, in the sincerity with which it was given. I think most folks are looking at the totality of Mike Bloomberg and realizing that he is the only candidate who can defeat Donald Trump, which is the number one issue for black voters. In any poll that you look at, the number one issue for African-American voters is defeating Donald Trump and getting his reckless behavior out of the White House. Yeah, number well, one in the Josh Moon poll, too, as well, I got to think. Right, right. And, and, and I would argue number one in the David Person poll. But I would also say, as an African-American man, and, and Mayor Nutter, you know this as well, that uh, while defeating Trump may be our top political priority, you know, we have top priorities related to survival on a day-to-day basis. And, and, and one of them is certainly racial profiling by law enforcement and by rogue vigilantes like George Zimmerman. And as I look at the Greenwood plan, which, by the way, I commend Mayor Bloomberg for, you know, it's very expansive. I think it's very uh, aggressive in the right ways, especially when it comes to economics. But I don't see anything in the Greenwood plan about specific problems that, you know, uh, Mayor Bloomberg has apologized for. Why doesn't it have anything in it related to the specific criminal justice problems that black men and even black women face on well, a daily the basis? Plan, the Greenwood Initiative really is about increasing and improving uh, in, uh, black wealth and recognizing the wealth of black people that was stolen uh, from slavery through the building of this country Uh, and challenges that many of us face today. Where you will find what you're asking about is actually in the criminal justice reform plan uh, that was released just last week uh, that talks about uh, decreasing uh, the overall prison population uh, by 50 percent by 2030. uh, That uh, recognizes that we should go back to the the Obama program of uh, not having uh, private prisons. uh, That calls on the Justice Department uh, to review all policing strategies, including uh, police uh, engagement with citizens or stop and frisk, uh, that recognizes that there is no one standard for police use of force. Uh, There are 18,000 police departments across the United States of America. Every one of them has a slightly different uh, strategy or plan uh, uh, and a level of responsibility as it relates to uh, uh, police officer use of force. Uh, Mike also talks about the fact that we need uh, better reporting uh, and regular reporting on officer-involved shootings. And so uh, just like you see a level of detail in the Greenwood Initiative, you will find a significant level of detail in our criminal justice reform plan. Okay. All right. Fair, fair, fair answer. Good answer. You can't put everything of everything that you're talking about all in one plan. No one would actually read that. So Greenwood Initiative is Greenwood Initiative. Criminal justice is criminal justice. Okay. Uh, infrastructure plan. Uh, uh, all of those are very comprehensive, well-detailed, and well-researched. All right. Well, I, I, I can accept that then. I'll have to uh, check that out. Now, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was this. Um, <clears throat> it seems to me as though <clears> – <throat> pardon me. It seems to me as though – as I read the Greenwood Initiative outline, and 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 again, I, I like how aggressive Mayor Bloomberg is being with making sure that this gets. I mean, I got I got a whole package in my mailbox, 
you know, and, and I think that was probably done throughout my neighborhood. I live in a predominantly black neighborhood here in, in uh, Huntsville. And and as I read the, the outline here, it almost reminds me, well, I'm just going to tell you what, what word came to my mind. Reparations. Do you see this as sort of the Bloomberg take on reparations, even though I know that word isn't being used? Well, it's interesting. Um, actually, uh, I believe in the Greenwood Initiative, you will find uh, that uh, Mike acknowledges his support for uh, Congresswoman Sheila Jackson Lee's resolution uh, related to uh, reparations. And he talked about that the other night, uh, uh, last night, rather. Uh, at the town hall. But Mike has also said, you know, that's a resolution that's going to study the issue, which is pretty complicated around reparations, but he does not want to wait. Uh, and so it's interesting that you would uh, look at the totality, the comprehensive nature of, of the Greenwood Initiative and associate it with uh, the prospect of Mike Bloomberg's own uh, reparations type uh, plan. Mike is a guy of action. He wants to get stuff done. Uh, the study will be the study. Uh, which is a very complicated issue. But in the meantime, uh, why can't we help 100,000 uh, African-Americans own uh, new businesses? Why can't we uh, get a billion, a million uh, uh, African-Americans owning homes, which, as we all know, uh, home ownership is one of uh, the most direct ways uh, that any of us uh, start to accumulate wealth. And it's also something of course, that can be passed on uh, to our children. Uh, why can't we invest now in communities that are distressed and have been uh, uh, under-resourced and disinvested from for a long, long period of time? So uh, he's supporting the congresswoman's resolution, uh, but he wants action now because Mike is a guy who wants to get stuff done. Let me ask just, uh, Josh, I, I just got one other quick question as a follow-up. Um, I wonder if you have a sense yet of whether or not Mayor Bloomberg is connecting with black audiences. I, I, it's been hard for me to really gauge just from watching on television, but uh, the polling makes me think that maybe not so much or, or at least that it's slow if it's happening. What's your sense? Uh, actually, our support has grown. Uh, you know, um, it's hard to keep track these days. Uh, I think we've been a campaign about 13, maybe 14 weeks. Uh, and in that short period of time in campaign life, uh, Mike is number two uh, with African-American voters in national polls, second only uh, to uh, Vice President Biden, uh, and that support continues to grow. Uh, again, uh, we talked about some of the uh, earlier challenges, but people are seeing and getting to know uh, Mike Bloomberg in a very different way. I often uh, talk about uh, him in the context of uh, one of the lines from a Jay-Z song, uh, Mike is uh, asking folks, allow me to reintroduce myself. Uh, and uh, people are getting to know him in a very, very different way. I, I won't keep you much longer, but I did have one other thing uh, that I, I'd just like to uh, to touch on here. And, and that's the idea of uh, the stigma, I guess, which is a, is a really weird word uh, to use uh, about uh, wealth. Um, 
you know, and, and I think that there is, you know, you see the Bernie Sanders uh, kind of movement at this point, and, and, and to a certain degree Elizabeth Warren as well. And, and and they have kind of attacked uh, the fact that that Mayor Bloomberg is a billionaire. Obviously, you know they they repeat the word billionaire about a thousand times. Yeah. Uh, every every debate and yeah, and, and I, and you I understand know, I, that. I I just don't know when uh, when in the United States of America some folks decided uh, that people working hard, creating a business, employing twenty thousand people across the country and around the world, uh, and making some money. Uh, suddenly became a bad thing. I, I just don't get it. I mean, and you know, quite honestly, uh, you will not find many black folks trying to be socialists. We're trying to work. Black people want to be wealthy. I think everybody wants to be wealthy. And, you know, with all due respect to, to the two senators, uh, I don't know that either one of them is not taking a salary uh, from uh, the United States Senate. You will notice a uh, little, little, little interesting wordplay. If you run the tape from four years ago, you will hear Senator Sanders railing against millionaires and billionaires. In the four-year interim period, Senator Sanders has become a millionaire himself. And so now he only talks about billionaires. <laughs> Come on now. No, Can I, I live? I, and I understand. Can I, I, I understand live? what you're saying. I, right. I understand what you're saying. I understand completely. But that, I, I will say, I, I think there is a legitimate concern out there about wealth inequality. Uh, and, and about the uh, the opportunities that are afforded for people to move. Yeah, from, I understand. From let me let me and, let me uh, cut across up. you right there, though. Okay. First of all, Mike Bloomberg did not create wealth inequality, and secondly, Certainly. he gives away almost all of his money. <laughs> Certainly. through the foundation, I, I, the, the company makes money that employs uh-huh. twenty thousand people that he created from mm-hmm. nothing after being fired from his job. Yes. I, you know, all billionaires are not created equal. Mike no. is supporting no, efforts what? that Democrats, uh, sane Republicans and independents actually care about. There's no one who's done more on uh, dealing with the effects of climate change than Mike Bloomberg. How does he do that? Spending his money. There's no one who has done more to, to deal with the issue of gun violence and preventing young people from killing each other than Mike Bloomberg. With his own money, there is no one who, virtually no one, who has given a level of support to the Democratic Party. In 2018, Mike supported 24 House members, 21 of whom won, helping the Democrats take over the House. Nancy Pelosi is Speaker, and so no one had any problem back in 2018 accepting uh, that level of resource and support from the billionaire. So, look, we can't have it both ways. He's working hard, no, no, employing I, and people, and wealth inequality uh, and inequality in America is a much larger issue uh, than Mike Bloomberg. He he's puts his money where his values are, which are Democratic uh, values uh, here in the United States of America. He's supporting increasing the minimum wage to uh, $15 uh, and a variety of other efforts. And so, you know, I think, uh, like as I said, uh, all billionaires are not the same. Uh, this is someone who is uh, uh, supporting his values uh, with uh, money that he and his uh, colleagues 
help to me. Sure. I, I think, and I think you're absolutely right. All billionaires are not created equal. I think the concern comes in is, is whether or not for the Koch brothers, the Sheldon Adelsons that are out there, whether or not Mayor Bloomberg would be willing to, to impose the taxes and the thing and the programs necessary uh, to, to force them into sharing the wealth and, and, and giving back. You're singing my song. You're singing my song. First of all, Mike Bloomberg raised taxes on wealthy people when he was mayor of New York. We put out a tax plan just the other day calling for uh, increasing taxes on those with wealth, changing capital gains uh, tax rate, changing the rate uh, that someone would pay uh, with um, uh, dollars above a certain limit. Mike Bloomberg is 78 years old. Worth $60 billion. Do you really think that he is worried about what his next tax bill is going to be? <laughs> I mean, seriously, come on. He's funding his own campaign, so he's not subject to any influence by anybody else. I mean, you can't, inf- you can't corrupt yourself, right? So he's going to do what needs to be done because that's what he did when he was mayor of New York City. He didn't accept campaign contributions. He did some things that people didn't like. He thought they were the right thing to do. Sometimes he was right. Sometimes he was wrong. So he's not worried about what some other billionaire uh, might be thinking about or complaining about uh, because he's going to do the right thing for America. He's talking about raising $5 trillion in taxes uh, to pay for the things that he wants to do. So, so Mayor Nutter, real quickly, the other side of that argument, though, or another aspect of that argument is that he's buying the election. What, what, what is your, what's your take on that? You can't buy an election. You can buy some ads, and then you can tell people about yourself. If that uh, were the case, uh, with no disrespect to him, uh, then Tom Steyer would be doing a whole lot better. Mike Bloomberg actually has a record. And unless all the radio stations, unless all the TV stations, unless all the cable news, newspapers, radio, and everybody else is suddenly going to give every candidate free airtime morning, noon, and night, you will have to spend some money uh, in politics and in elections. If you don't have a record, no one's going to pay attention to you. I don't care how many ads you put on the TV. Yeah, yeah I, I 100% agree with that. I, the, the idea that, that somebody can buy an election to me has always been idiotic, I, I, and especially if you're using your own money. You know what I mean? I mean, get out of here with that. Listen, uh, Mayor Nutter, I, we, we, we kept you on a little longer than we said we would, and, and you've been very kind and gracious with your time, and, and we we appreciate it. Uh, yeah. I'm a kind and gracious kind of guy. <laughs> He's from Philly, the He's city of brotherly Philly. love, of yeah. course. Right. City of brotherly love and sisterly affection. <laughs> In the house in Alabama. Uh, that is uh, Mayor Michael Nutter. M- Mayor, thank you. Thank you again. Thanks, Mayor. Thank you, Bob. We appreciate it. All righty. That's uh, <laughs> really, really, really good. How, was, about, how about that shade, though, on uh, uh, that shade he tossed at Tom uh, Steyer? Steyer, yeah. <laughs> be doing a lot better out there if it, you just buy the election. I mean, I guess I shouldn't be laughing uh, so hard, but that was funny. I know. It's, well, look, I, I'll say this. It, it, first of all, if, if a bunch of TV ads and things like that really influence you to that point, then you need to look at yourself. You know right, what I mean? Right. What you're doing. That said, uh, he's 100% right that whoever wins this is going to spend billions uh, they're going to be billions. Yeah, the, yeah. the difference is whether or not it's your billions or somebody mm-hmm. else's billions. And if you're spending somebody else's, then they're going to want something for that. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. how it works. Yeah. And and you can say, well, okay, it, these these are from people and causes that we believe in, and so we're more we're okay with with them. You know, being beholden to this group or that group or that person or whatever. Okay, that's fair as well. But at the same time, you know, 
what do you what do you want to do? I mean, that was well, the that was the attraction. That was one of the attractions of Donald Trump uh, to to you know to the Republicans was sure. the alleged you know wealth that he had alleged yeah, alleged. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know I think it was really really quite the contrast with an actual billionaire yeah. and what that guy is. Right? Yeah. I mean, look at the money he spent and what he's been able to do here and how freely when you're actually a multi billionaire you just throw money around. You know. Well, and I heard uh, I heard Russ Feingold talking about this uh, former U.S. Senator Russ Feingold talking about this on one of the uh, news shows, and, and his basic take, as I recall, was uh, we're in this mess because of the U.S. Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. The U.S. Supreme Court, basically, with its ruling on uh, Citizens United, mm-hmm. opened up the floodgates yep. you know, for money. In fact, I think, the, if I'm not mistaken, the, the, uh, the crazy phrase that came out of that ruling was money is equal to free speech yeah, or something yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. that crazy mm-hmm. concept. So, you know, and, and of course I find that personally repugnant, yeah. but mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, this is the environment we're in. Yep. And so you're going to have to spend it. I you're mean, gonna have just, to do it. that's just, right. you know, that's the way that it works. And, and you can see from all over the place. I mean, that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there are some very, very unqualified people who are going to be elected, uh, you know, to state governments all around, you know, especially in this state. Uh, we're, we're probably going to elect a guy as uh, to Congress uh, and Jeff Coleman, who uh, whose company defrauded the military. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. and and we're going to do it simply because he's, you know, uh, if he's not a billionaire, he's approaching billionaire status. And, uh, you know, and he's been able to flood the airwaves with ads and, and things like that. And, and, you know, I hate it, but it mm-hmm. it moves the needle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it really, really moves the needle. And it's just kind of pathetic. But yeah. all right. Uh, we got to we probably need to slide out of here and uh, we'll come back in uh, in just a minute. And we'll have uh, the new chairman of the Alabama Democratic Party, Chris England, uh, representative right. Chris England, yeah. on with us. Uh, he's a smart guy, so I'm going to go read a little bit before we get you know, <laughs> <laughs> back in a minute. Alabama politics this week. We should have known that you were hurting, that you could have taught someone sometime. Let's take it slow now, honey. Where we're going, we won't need money. After all, we've got is time. Welcome back in. That is uh, music. So we, we put out a call for uh, for folks to donate or not donate really, but contribute uh, their own original uh, music uh, to the show, and uh, and we would be happy to play it for them. And uh, that there that you hear is uh, Johnny Varis and uh, his band. Uh, electric blue yonder uh, and cool name yeah i know right yeah. uh that uh it, it it's it's very good it's from their new album between space and time uh you can find them on on spotify and uh soundcloud and various other uh 
places that I, they he sent me a list of, of dates that they're playing coming up, and they're all over the place. And oh. uh, they played the uh, first of all, they got a new the the new album release is this Saturday, the 29th. Okay, so February the 29th. Uh, that's the new album release. Where's that going to be? Uh, I believe you can uh, download it on Spotify or SoundCloud. Oh, oh, um, you're saying it's going to? Oh, I yeah. thought you meant like a release party. Yeah, so you're yeah, saying no, it's that's, be... yeah, just, uh, okay, just dropping it out there. So okay. it's, uh, uh, they will also be on the uh, 14th of March at the Lilano uh, East Art Festival in Lilano, Texas. Hmm. Uh, the 20th through the 22nd, they'll be at the Third Street Songwriters Fest. Uh, the 27th at Susto at Saturn. Uh, the 29th at Aviator Bar. Uh, that's the post Isbell show in uh, mm. uh, in Montgomery. Uh, okay. So uh, Jason Isbell will be uh, in Montgomery at the Impact, and they will be playing right across the street after that at the Aviator Bar. So uh, go check them out. There. The nice. music is fantastic. Uh, oh, I and, love it. Yeah, it was. Uh, they, they're really good. We're going to play uh, several of their uh, of their songs in, in upcoming podcasts. And, uh, and Johnny Johnny's a good guy. A lot of people around Montgomery know him, and he's done a lot of work around there. And so uh, I, I got to uh, to know him when uh, we. Um, uh, when I, I did a series of stories about a, uh, a musician, a local musician in, in Montgomery who was killed uh, oh. there in a real, real okay. kind of weird and tragic uh, accident. Hmm. Uh, well, I, I can't even really call it. It was more of a murder. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. It was, uh, if, you, if you'd like to go back and, and read some things, just uh, uh, I, I can give you the, the stories on that. Mm. But uh, it's uh, man, it was it was a tough, it was a tough little little time there for a lot of those folks because they knew. Uh, uh, Andrew well but uh, we'll we'll promote anybody uh, you know yeah. that uh, sends us your music let's we'll play it you know we're gonna play a clip here we'll we'll tag it on at the end of the podcast if you'd like uh, full songs and uh, and and read out your dates uh, that you're playing at other places and, and happy to do so you, you're helping yeah. us by by providing essentially you know bumper music in and out mm-hmm. of the thing here and uh, so we're we're more than happy to uh, to promote you and, and your group and band thanks awesome. a lot guys uh I call that uh, uh, hipster bluegrass yeah. or something like that. That's what it kind of made me think yeah. of. Sort of, right? You know, it's kind of kind of swings a little yeah. bit, almost loud, love it kind of sound. Yeah, hipster bluegrass. That's also the way I would describe a Chris England hipster hipster bluegrass. <laughs> <laughs> would you now? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right, Chris England. Chris England. I'm sure he'll appreciate yeah, he'll, that. Who, yeah. join, who joins us now? The chairperson. I mean, it sounds it sounds really nice to say that. Uh, the chairperson of the Alabama Democratic Party, Representative Chris England. Chris, welcome into the podcast here. How's things going? Um, the the, the day is better than it started. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, it's going pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, so that, uh, we're, we we are very fortunate in that uh, that we do record this on. Um, uh, on Thursdays, and uh, it just so happened on Thursday morning, uh, the circuit judge in Montgomery, Greg Griffin, uh, dismissed the lawsuit that had been filed by the former chairperson of the Alabama Democratic Party, Nancy Worley, uh, that had contested uh, uh, the Reform Caucus's uh, you know, push to, to basically right the ship of the, uh, the ADP and, and install Chris and, and Patricia Todd in. So I guess let me get your thoughts on that. Was a surprise to you that this came down today? Um, yes, um, just based upon the, the the recent history and how things were going, and you know how things go in court. Um, they uh, a lot of delays um, for various reasons. So I just wasn't anticipating something coming um, today. But um, I can't. I got to say that I'm glad. I'm not. I'm not upset that it did. So, <laughs> were you surprised in the outcome? Um. 
a little bit, but it, uh, just in the fact that um, from what I saw in the newspaper the other day, it said that uh, you know, uh, the judge had mentioned that he thought he had jurisdiction. Um, so I was anticipating, you know, further, you know, hearings and and motions to be filed, and and so uh, so I was a little bit caught off guard just because of what I'd read in the newspaper. What, where do you think that now puts everything? Uh, well, I mean, in, in terms of the you know the leadership and uh, and moving forward with the party and fundraising and and doing all the things that make for a successful party, where where are are you now in that process, and 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 how does this help that? Well, it it removes any sort of um, uh, you know the the cloud that was kind of hovering above the party um, and any of the uncertainty. Um, so, you know. Um, just having the ability to now say, you know, that we are established. Um, the DN- not only does the DNC recognize us, but you know that, that the lawsuit's been dismissed. So um, that that part of the problem is over, and so um, you can feel comfortable in, you know, if you if you're um, a- interested in helping the Democratic Party or investing in the Democratic Party, um, contributing to the Democratic Party, any of those things. Now, uh, you know it's going in, in the in a new direction, so to speak. So um so that that will give us the ability to go and begin fundraising or, or, or continue fundraising and, and, and removing some of that uncertainty so we can actually um be a little bit more active and aggressive. Now does this mean uh Chris that there will be no appeal, there's no appeal possible, this is actually it, it's finished, it is done? In turn uh, you know with with courts and and the ability to file lawsuits and, and and find different venues, you can never really say over is over. Um, but if you look at the Supreme Court's uh, decision and the and the and the decision that was written by on the concurring opinion that was written by Chief Justice Parker, it kind of indicates that if it ends up back in the Supreme Court, what direction you know at least uh, they're headed, they would they would head in. Um, and if you read the opinion, you got, you kind of got the impression that, you know, uh, they had felt, they felt like there's, there was no jurisdiction and, and apparently, uh, Judge Griffin agreed. So, um, uh, whether or not there's an appeal available, I'm not sure, but it, it, I think it's clear where the Supreme Court was when they heard it the first time. Okay. There's other venues available. Um, I, I think I've read online that, um, on, on Twitter. You know, everything you read on Twitter is true. Absolutely. That's why I, that's, that's the advice I live by. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a bona fide fact. Right. But there is a potential there that, um, you know, uh, you can go to fed, take, they're going to take it to federal court. So we'll just, we'll deal with that if it happens. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Okay. So let's, let's assume for a minute that they're not going to take it to federal court. Uh, where do you see things standing as it relates to the ability of the party to move forward when your largest caucus of black people has been on the other side of this issue from you and and Anthony Daniels and everybody else? Um, you know, uh, I I mentioned this earlier because I you know obviously that's a that's a, a very good question. Um, 
first, what I hope that galvanizes us together is the fact that, you know, we've got a singular goal and a singular mission in mind. Um, and that's making sure that Democrats um, are competitive and ultimately successful. So it start, I think it starts knowing that the mission, we all have the same mission. Uh, we may take a different road to get there, but we all have the same destination. So you would hope, and I, and I, I sincerely believe that um, because we all want a successful Democratic Party, that that starts at, at least opening minds and hearts into listening and engaging and trying to figure out the best way to make that possible. Um, so you don't necessarily have to agree with how we got here. But that since we're here, um, we need to work together to um, make sure that we can uh, mount competitive and ultimately successful campaigns. Um, so, again, you'll quickly realize and it will reveal whose mission and who's there for what. You know what I mean? So um, I, I, that's, that's obviously going to be where we start. Now, there's going to have to be a number of conversations. Um, between people who've got relationships, who had relationships, and might need to, you know, uh, come to a clear understanding about where we are, um, and understand that my goal again is the same. Um, uh, you know, I don't see when I look into a room of, of, of SDEC members and Democrats at large, I don't see Joe Reed supporters. Um, I don't see people that voted for um, Will Boyd or voted for Tabitha Eisner. I just see a room full of Democrats. And um, again, it, if that's what we're all here for, then it should be easy to to start mending those fences and, and, and working together. All right. So I think that's a, that's a reasonable assessment of what is ideal. But again, I question whether or not what is ideal is going to be what, in fact, becomes reality. Because the feelings, as you know, run very, very deep uh, on on the uh, ADC side about what should have happened and, and, and what the implications are of what has happened. So let me ask you directly, have you been having any conversations with Joe Reed or has anybody on your behalf? been having any conversations with Joe Reed and or Nancy Worley, but specifically Joe Reed. I'm more concerned about Joe and the ADC uh, in order to try to rectify this breach and, and, and foster some healing. Yes. Well, there has, um, you know, um, several, um, and I, I mean, I'm not going to go into, you know, specific conversations or who had them just to, you know, to kind of protect what was said and who said what, but, um, there has been, um, and, and and honestly, there has been some understanding relayed from both sides that you know uh, that one there's some misunderstandings about um, what our motivations were or what our goals are. Um, I think some of those things have been cleared up, but I mean you're right. Um, there are going to be some there's some deep seated resentment that's going to take some work to to get through, but. Um, I think to answer your original question, yes, there has been there have been uh, people reaching out and uh, trying to start the work of mending those fences. And ultimately, um, 
I mean, we're all a part of the STC, and it's going to take. Uh, I'm going to have to have those conversations as well. So, um, and I'm more than willing to do it. And now that I don't have to check with a lawyer before I call or talk to people, um, uh, it'll be a little bit easier to have those conversations. Oh, I think Barry Ragsdale is really going to miss talking to you. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to. Uh, how do you? I know you don't want to get into the specifics of, of the conversations and who had them, but I did want to ask uh, your your general thoughts about them. How how do you feel like they're going? As, has there been some receptiveness on, on both sides? There, do you feel like you're making ground? Yeah, and again, it's going to take um, some time to you know make sure that uh, that. that you know, obviously, there's not going to be a lot of trust on either side, um, and I just want sure. people to understand that our, our motives were pure. Um, our motives weren't to lead some sort of hostile takeover um, of the party by um, Doug Jones, just to to make sure that you know he controlled the party. Um, I think it's I think it it needs to be stressed that the most important thing isn't just um, having a party that's capable of of winning an election in November of this year. But, you know, uh, after November passes and everything is said and done, you know, we've got a Republican supermajority in the legislature that, you know, we've got to start the work of chipping away uh, at that. So, um, you know, not only are we working for 2020, um, we're working for 2022. And um, um, so beyond just you know, making sure we've got a capable um, infrastructure there in place to be successful this year. Uh, we've got to start fundraising and building a party to be successful in, in 2022. And that includes being able to fill candidates in all races and also statewide races. So um, I think one of the misunderstandings there and from the very beginning is that this has been, you know, all about Doug Jones and it's not. It's about the Democratic Party, and um, you know, without dwelling on what's what's happened in the past, um, you know, I don't think I'll cast aspersions at anyone when I say that we've got to do, we have to do better. So one of those things, one of those notions that we have to defeat is that this was all about Doug. Yes, and it, it's not. It's about the Democratic Party, and 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 when we have those conversations, um, I think you can. Uh, you know, stressing and allaying those concerns will go a long way towards, you know, at least bringing people back in the room so we can start having discussions. Again. Sure. It, 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 speaking of, of moving forward and, and making the party more viable, and, uh, you know, there, there were three hires uh, this week as well. Uh, Wade Perry is the new executive director. Dexter Strong is director of communications. Crystal Smitherman is the manager of strategic engagement and research. Um those are very, very important uh, positions. Uh, you know, obviously uh, Wade was uh, was very successful and was a pretty sought after commodity after the uh, after the twenty seventeen special election. Uh, and and having Dexter there as as communications director as well is is a pretty key position. I, how does this kind of set things up? And, and how do you, how do y'all foresee moving forward to get to where you want to be? First, you know, getting. Um, getting a staff in place is was one of the primary primary objectives, um, and it's not every day that you have three people 
that like Wade, Doug, and Crystal that are there and uh, and ready to go from day one. Um, and again, we didn't, we don't necessarily, we didn't have the luxury here because of the way all of this kind of transpired of, of, of you know, spending a lot of time trying to figure out what we're going to do next. Um, because going, we started on November 2nd and we had a, had a qualifying deadline at the end of the week. Well, we also, um, in order to make sure we don't have a disaster on a on primary day, because we, we've seen that, we've seen what happened before, we have to have people in place. So um, to have someone like a, a Wade Perry, who, as you said, after 2017 is, is, a, is a pretty high commodity, willing to come work for the Democratic Party and help us right our ship is a huge deal. Um, and having somebody like Dexter Strong, who's demonstrated across the state up until this point, helping with campaigns, that he has the innate ability to communicate and also create effective messages for, for, for the party, which is something that we've lacked for a long time. And then also having somebody like Crystal Smitherman, who, who has successfully navigated um, one of the, the hardest places in the state of Alabama to, to, to engage in politics in, in Birmingham and Jefferson County. Um, I mean, I think those names and their reputations and what they've done in the past kind of speak. I mean, they speak for themselves. So in order to get us in the right direction, get us ready for Tuesday, uh, the primary day, but also getting us um, uh, ready for a convention, making sure that our delegate selection plan gets approved, because at this point it still hasn't been approved. And also getting uh, is maximizing our potential in, in, in making sure that we can get grants from the DNC and also having meetings, um, planning an event to have this summer to try to fundraise and draw up some some energy and enthusiasm for our November election and then being competitive in November. And then also finding a way to make sure that we engage in voter protection um, efforts here in Alabama because you, you know our history. Um, uh, we we have we're yeah been we've disenfranchised a lot of people over the course of the years that could have made the difference in winning and losing an election. So, um, so getting a voter protection effort in place. I mean, these things are immediate concern. So, having people that are qualified know what to do, don't have to be trained, especially and ready to go on day one, is crucial. And I think that we've got that with those three individuals. Yeah, I want to. I want to definitely give you guys major, major props for hiring Dexter Strong. He is a dynamic young man that I've been watching here in North Alabama for some time, and I think he's uh, an excellent asset for the party. Now, uh, as an African-American, I've been very concerned about the – the inability, it seems to me, the inability of both the state and the national party to really maximize the black vote, you know, even though we've had, you know, some some flashpoints where the black vote, I think, has been uh, has has been activated, you know, at, at a fairly high level. But I don't know that that really had anything to do with the party. And I'm talking about now. You know, 2008, again, 2012, you know, with Obama being on the ticket and then Doug Jones activating uh, his candidacy, activating black women in particular. But 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 outside of those flashpoints, Chris, I just don't get the sense 
that the party has a real strategy for maximizing the the the, the black vote and making sure that we we see a significant increase in the turnout of eligible black voters. What what are your thoughts about that? You know, you make a very good point. Um, and to kind of underscore what you just said, oftentimes black voters um, have to ignore the fact that overall that our efforts are taken for granted and just kind of hold our nose and say, this is just the right thing to do. Even though, you know, over the years we found that um, while we're invited to the table, oftentimes we're not allowed to pick the meal um, or be involved in how it's cooked, how, how you cook it. Um, so there's got to be some meaningful outreach to the African-American community to make sure that they understand that not only we, do, we don't want you for your votes, but we understand that you're part of our platform and our policy reflects that. So, and, and it also, it's got to be beyond criminal justice reform. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we often kind of pigeonhole African-Americans into just, you know, if you, if you talk about criminal justice reform, that's all you got to do. But I mean, hell, we work. Um, right. We're concerned, right. you know, we're concerned about the economy. Right. We're concerned right. about health care. We're concerned about making sure that our children are properly educated and get adequate resources just like everybody else. Um, and too oftentimes, as you said, that's taken for granted. So, you know, in our messaging and in our we've got to do meaningful outreach to make sure African-Americans feel a part of the process, not just because they because that's not just because we bring a a large number of people to the polls, but also because our issues matter and, and, and they mean something to our democratic platform. You know, right. again, the number of people that vote Af- African-Americans that vote on a regular basis. Um, if I think if we had some meaningful outreach and also purposeful outreach that invites our issues to the main table, um, those numbers that you see every year, uh, of us as, as loyal Democratic voters will increase. Sure. Because we always sure. pretend uh, that, right. you know, we always say, where else are you going to go? Well, there is an alternative. Just won't vote. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, real quickly, um, before Josh jumps back in, I've got to ask you, you talked about votes being taken for granted. We've got 17, I think that's the right number, 17 HBCUs in the state of Alabama. I think that's correct. It's either 10 or 17, something like that. More than I believe any other state. It seems to me that that's a gold mine for the Democratic Party that, again, is being taken for granted or underutilized. What do you think? Well, it is. Um, And, you know, I've got... uh... My brother-in-law, Cliff Albright, is um, one of the co-chairs, creators, along with Tasha Brown of Black Voters Matter. And he constantly talks to me about, um, and many others actually, about different ways to maximize um, the African-American vote. Um, And, you know, we always focus our efforts on college-educated white people. Um, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, so it, those efforts have to be made to make sure that we can sure. keep those sure. folks in, uh, you know, actually bring them back to the fold and create new voters in that demographic. But as you said, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a goldmine. Um, and, and, you know, we've got 
17 or so um, HBCUs across the state of Alabama where there's a willing, ready, and, and able, engage, a very engaging community there that just a little bit of outreach could actually activate and get them to the polls. And, and you know, if you see the polls now, um, every vote's going to matter. All the numbers matter. And to go to those folks, sit down at the table with them and say, all right, what can we do to get you to go out to the communities that surround your schools and get those folks out? I mean, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. And it's also something that, you know, internally we've discussed and in, in, in try to um, to activate that base. I mean, it, like you said, it is an absolute goldmine. I, we'll get you out of here uh, with this because I know we, we've kept you a little while and, and, and you've had a, a busy day. You do have like a couple of jobs that you're working down there. Uh, uh, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, I know uh, that, that obviously uh, generate, you know, exciting uh, the African-American voting base is something that, that has to be done uh, in a hurry. But at the same time, one of the things are, and I guess a lot of people would argue the primary thing, the, primary thing that has hurt uh, the Alabama Democratic Party has been the just absolute white flight. Uh, There's not, not a lot of people like me uh, out here. You know, there's not, mm-hmm. there's not a, a, a working, a lot of working class white people. Uh, well, hold on, uh, Josh. Uh, I mean, you are unique. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, that's the nicest thing anybody said about me in a while. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it's you're right. I am unique. Uh, uh, you know, I, I like to think special and, you know, above average. But uh, <laughs> my wife would not say so. Uh, I would say, though, it. it you know, how do you get those folks back who have who have joined the team on the other side over there? And it doesn't seem to matter what you present to them as a better option. They're going to continue to wear that R jersey. Yep, that is uh, that is definitely an issue. Which is, you know, you don't want to necessarily continue to um, beat your head on on the wall um, on a brick wall, but at the same time. We've seen in other states that have similar demographics to Alabama, um, uh, successful Democrat Democratic um, candidates, you know, in Kentucky, in Louisiana, and so forth. So one of those things that you you know we have to keep hammering on is that you know while um, social issues do kind of get your attention, what puts food on the table, um, what educates your children. And would also make sure that you've got somebody to take care of you if you end up at the hospital or a doctor's office are the policies that the Democratic Party is is talking about and pushing and fighting for. Um, we've seen across the country, especially in those southern states that have, have you know, have blue governors, um, is that one of the major issues is health care. Um, and it's. It's fortunate for us that we have a, a Democratic senator in Doug Jones that is, is pushing Medicaid expansion and also that we've got evidence though, across the state of how important that is because we continue to lose hospitals. Um, but and also with a, another issue related to that is that we can't really care for those with mental illnesses. Um, and we also are exploding our budget, taking care of uh, the rising cost of care of people who don't have health care. Um, you know that is a message that will res- that, that resonates with folks, and we're going to have to continue pushing it until it makes a difference. 
So, um, you know, uh, the Democratic Party is a huge tent. It's a big tent. Um, you know, um, whenever you come to one of our party meetings, you'll see people from all walks of life, rich, poor, black, white, uh, different sexual orientations, religions. We have to do the work, the intentional work to make sure that everybody feels like they're a part of that. So we don't get the benefit or, or the non-benefit, I guess, or whatever you want to call it, of walking into a room full of white people. Um, we uh, have to be intentional in our messaging to make sure that the people who are running can craft a message that is local enough who, um, to attract their constituents, but also um, large enough that it doesn't offend the party platform. And that is a very difficult uh, as a very difficult um, needle to thread, but it's possible. And um, is you know there was an article here recently that showed the map of of um, Alabama, and there are still some pockets there that are that still have a fifty fifty split. But if you look at those 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 areas, those are the largest population centers in the state. So um, right. th- there is some hope there, um, and and we also see that. Uh, younger people, college age people are trending our way heavily because uh, I, I guess once you see the light, uh, it's hard to turn away from it. Um, and also we, we see that, you know, in, in suburban areas around major cities, we're, we're gaining traction. So when we're working our way, yeah. working our way towards 2020, I mean, that's, you know, that's what we have to, we, we have to create that message that again, is specific enough for for local constituencies where they agree with us, but at the same time, broad enough that it doesn't offend uh, what it means to be a Democrat. Well, uh, buddy, you, you, this ship is all yours <laughs> as of this morning. Um, and, uh, you know, I, uh, uh, I think that, uh, it is, it is in very, very good hands. Uh, I'll say that right, I appreciate right that. off the bat. And, and I, you know, I do have a lot of faith and I think that, that, uh, the, the way I feel about it is, has been mirrored by a number of other people around the state. And you see it in the kind of the excitement and the willingness and a, and a whole bunch of people, uh, to get back involved in the, in the party and to get back involved in, in, in donating again. Uh, I hope that today's decision, you know, helps with that. Uh, but, uh, man, I, I wish you luck. We, we, we desperately, I think even Republicans out there will say we need a two party system, a viable two party system in the state. Uh, you know, good luck to you. I, I, we like what we see so far. I tell you that. I I appreciate it. And, and I, I, I hope to keep up the momentum and I I think we will. All right. Thank Chris. We really appreciate you coming on and giving us a, a lot of time on a day when I know you're very, very busy and, uh, we really do appreciate it. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Thank you. Well, I got to tell you, um, I'm really, I'm, I like what I hear mm-hmm. from uh, the uh, chairman of the uh, Alabama De- Democratic Party. I like what I'm hearing. Um, I will just add one thing. While I agree with him that <clears throat> kitchen table issues, as we generally call them, ultimately uh, speak to people perhaps um more than most other issues i i i still am a believer josh that our party uh, the democratic party is going to have to uh, begin to openly not just not not passively but openly overtly um open its arms to people who are pro life 
Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> and I and I'm saying that as a person who is pro-choice. Mm-hmm. But I believe that there are a lot of people with whom we could find agreement on probably 50 to 70% of the other issues that are important Mm -hmm. to those of us on this side of the aisle. Um, But that one thing, that one impediment is there for many of those people. I think what we were in in that regard, the the major thing that we have to do and the obstacle that we have to uh, overcome with that is is not so much the, uh, that general debate because I think it's getting past that. It's getting past pro-life, pro-choice. What uh, do you mean? Monikers uh, of those things because uh, when you boil it right down to it, I think that the majority of people in the country probably agree that late-term abortions uh, there are not something that most people are in favor of. Mm-hmm. That said, m- those abortions make up about 1% of things. And so... If you and uh, only about one percent of them are fall outside the uh, the category of medically necessary for the life of the mother or, or the suffering of the child that's there. So I think that if we got down and started to to really get down into the into the nuances of what mm-hmm. we're talking about, this major issue that everybody's blowing their life up to right. to, to vote for here. If you right. get down into the specifics of it, all right, and you say, okay. What is it that you want to have happen here? You know, what do you want to have happen here? I think there's agreement up to probably 95 to 90, almost 100% agreement across the board outside of the few just really strict religious hardliners there uh, that, you know, that would be in favor of of an abortion exemption or an abortion law that that outlaws even in the cases of rape and incest. Yeah, or or even life of the mother. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I think that if we're we're going to talk about it, don't just talk about it in terms of, well, are you for this or against it? Well, you know what I'm for? I'm for uh, the things that have been done in in Colorado where they uh, provide free contraceptives and they provide adequate sex education that has seen the abortion rates decline by over half in a period of just a few years because of what they're doing there. If you want to actually do this, that's the way you do it. You don't do it the other way because outlawing abortions has never, in the history of all the world, has never lessened abortions. Well, look, you and I are on exactly the same page. And what I'm really saying is... I think we have to change the messaging. Mm-hmm. We have allowed the messaging on that issue yes. to be driven by people who are at an extreme. And I think, in my opinion, people mm-hmm. who are at an extreme and people who <clears throat> some of whom may be well-meaning, but I think a lot of them are are, are, are really extremist in terms of how they how they frame the issue and how they react to the issue. Yeah. And 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 so my my contention is that we need to do exactly what you're talking about, which is speaking about it in much more clear and comprehensive terms mm-hmm. so that people can understand, you know, uh <clears throat> That this is not a simple no. conversation. No, it's not a bumper it's, sticker. No, it's not a bumper sticker situation. All. And not that's at what all. you've turned it into. Right. And, and, and you've done but that. But we with allowed a number of that to happen. And well, that's what I'm saying. We allowed it to get away from us. Yeah, it, it's. 
it's it's tough. And I, I know what you're saying we did, but I it, it's also tough to keep the emotion in check when you're talking about babies and, and yeah. things like that. And, yeah. and I understand. Yeah. And I, I do think that most people involved in this are well-intentioned and well-meaning. I just think that uh, they have allowed themselves to be used in a lot of ways by opportunists who have come in and boiled this thing down to a bumper sticker, mm-hmm. uh, pro-choice, pro-life, whatever. And, and and instead of us actually doing things that make a difference now, we're stuck in these arguments back and forth. And, right. and I don't think that it's necessarily benefiting anybody. But I knew, I do know that the what the conversations that we're having and the conversations that we just have with Chris England and all of the, the leadership of the democratic party that has changed now in this state, I think that will help further that conversation yes. and, and ultimately help everybody in the state Republican and Democrat alike. Yes, so, I agree. I agree. A healthy, a healthy democratic party benefits everybody. Yes, absolutely. You know, this, does. this impotent lackluster party that we have, yeah seen and 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 see and i'm not talking i'm not condemning individuals i'm talking no. about the corporate party mm-hmm. just didn't that just didn't no work. it hasn't worked yeah. no all right we gotta slide out uh we have that's okay that's okay listen hey it's good content, what you pay man. for yeah. you get what you pay yeah. for you know good content all right we'll be back in a moment is original music from the Brown Bone Simpson band or the BBS as they <laughs> creatively the call, as they creatively oh, call themselves okay. Brown Bone and Simpson that uh, okay. uh, it's a group uh, I, I know Jeff Simpson is uh, the the uh, person who sent it to me Jeff plays the drums uh, on that and uh, Owen Brown p- plays bass and Jeff Bone plays the piano and uh, they recorded this at Birdland Recording Studio in Town Creek, Alabama. Really? Yeah. The sound was, you know, I was saying to you uh, as we listened to it that mm-hmm. the, the sound, I've, I've been in and around uh, recording studios for probably on and off for 30 plus years, mm-hmm. and the sound was great. Yeah. It was, it was I mean, really, that really just good. sounded like a really it's, well done production. It's, uh, you know, I put this out, I put this call out uh, on Facebook for folks to send us their, you know, their original music and mm-hmm. play it on here. We would promote their band and, and anything that they have associated with their band, their, their tour dates, their upcoming albums, whatever. We'd tell people where to go. Uh, because we do have, in this state at least, a fairly big reach uh, yeah. at this point. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, 
It is. Uh, the idea I, is not my idea. It, was, it came from the Tony Kornheiser podcast. Yeah, we stole uh, it from yeah, that. Yeah, we 100% <laughs> stole it because it's a fantastic idea. We, it is. It we, really we is. We play licensed music on right, here because right. it costs a thousand dollars a second yeah, to do it yeah. uh and we don't have that kind of budget yet uh yet um <laughs> you know but we're coming uh so but we we do have the ability now to to go out and and, and help some folks out and and they help us out we help them out uh at least i hope so uh, i hope it's oh, helpful yeah. if if, yeah. if somebody doesn't think so then you know by all means we apologize we'll, we'll do whatever we can uh to to, to help you promote uh the stuff if you send us your music in here and the the one striking thing is and even just you know the the response was great i mean it was a i mean a flood of people in, right. in a matter of hours seriously right. in a matter right. of hours we had a flood of people uh sending us stuff and uh all of it is great it mm. is so good i mean the 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 the, the the stuff you, you know, you you would ne- I would never have found it on my own, right? And so, and I'm hopeful that is going to be the case for thousands of people around the state that you will discover these folks and play their music, and that somebody out of this will will make some money. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I'm a fan. I'm a big music guy, and I'm a I, and I'm a fan uh, across genres. I like, you know, I like funk, hip hop, gospel. Yeah. Uh, rap, uh, rock, mm-hmm. you know, pop, jazz, uh, but also classical. But I also Swift like is your favorite. You said n- I never said that. Is that right? I never said I'm that. Now I do like. Well, I'm going to confess to you. I actually think that she's a great songwriter. I, I do too. I do. Yeah, yeah I but that but well. I don't. But but not I would favorite? not. No, oh. I wouldn't go even close to saying that. But this this guy, this this group that you that you just had us. Uh, come into uh-huh. I thought I heard little flashes of like Steely Dan in uh-huh. that intro I mean do you, do you, did you yeah, get know, that know, sense yeah, you know yeah, what I'm talking about I know about? I know Jeff a little bit so so yeah the, the Steely Dan uh, you know um, uh, the Doobie Brothers especially the Doobie mm-hmm. part would be uh, you know would be <laughs> The uh, <laughs> the doobie part. Yeah, especially the doobie I caught part. that. Be, yes, be real, yes. Know, it would be right up Jeff's alley. Okay, uh, uh, but uh, no, they uh, Jeff. I've known Jeff a while, mm-hmm. uh, and so it was it was really good to 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 get the email from him and the and the yeah. uh, and the music as well. Well, so. I say I always say this to people. Uh, you know, and I'm just upfront about it, and I know the people in my church are probably ready to kick me out over stuff like this. But I'm pro-legalization, man. Now, I I really am. I'm pro-legalization, and Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, I've never... church be against this? Well, you know, churches historically have problems with uh, altered states that are outside of the traditional hey man you know jesus church turned indoors. the water into into more water <laughs> i you know, know I mean? I, hey i tell people that too yeah. people don't like the, Keep the party going they, they said the entertainment yeah, like, yeah people don't like that's right <laughs> and people don't like people don't like to own up to that uh, but uh but you know when it comes to to marijuana or or joints or the doobie as you were saying <laughs> earlier uh, I just kind of feel like you know it's and I've never even smoked honestly uh-huh. I've never smoked weed at all uh but <clears throat> but no seriously no i'm not I'm never not. smoked never inhaled this, I, this is not a, was there where i was supposed to jump in and- oh <laughs> <laughs> not speaking for you speaking <laughs> for me 
Uh, but but I have been around people mm-hmm. who were smoking. Yeah. You know, hanging out or whatever. They're and, so happy. And I and I was gonna say I've been around people who, who are getting drunk. And I don't drink either. But getting around people who are drinking. Mm-hmm. And I and I tell people all the time, I choose being around the person smoking weed any day yeah. of the week. Yeah, it's a, I, I, any I day don't of drink. I, I I don't uh, I don't drink anything yeah. uh, a- anymore and uh, you know since last week or so but no, no I'm, I'm completely joking I, I don't I don't drink anything uh, but um, you know I, you're right and I, I've never I, I feel, so we've had this whole debate now in in the state house about the legalization mm-hmm. of medical marijuana mm-hmm. uh, you know and, and it seems we're moving pretty close to that oh, yeah, and Republicans I, and Democrats yeah, are on board I, I think yeah. uh, I think they have the votes in, in, in the Senate to, to move this thing out mm-hmm. uh, it's the, the question is going to be the house uh, mm-hmm. the, where all of the but Mike know, Ball is the champion for it in the uh, house I mean he's I mean he's told me himself I, I mean, know no, but you're rolling your eyes I though know, what's that just, about you don't you don't, you don't I'm think not a big, yeah, I'm not, not a big Mike, Mike Ball fan. fan. Well, I, you um, know, I don't agree with uh, Mike on yeah. most stuff. I understand, but but uh, you know, Mike and I can sit down. We can sit down. Mike and I sit down. We have civil conversations mm-hmm. where we disagree about probably ninety percent of stuff. Yeah. But there is that little window, oh, yeah, and sure. medical marijuana is one of them. And that window's there with pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, pretty much everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at least you know people with brains. And uh, you know, I I just uh, I, I wish that it were being carried by somebody with a little more standing uh, you know I, I think uh, Ball has hurt himself over the years with his position uh, in regards to Mike Hubbard mm-hmm. uh, and and I think that not just among people like me but also his his fellow Republicans oh, really? I, I believe, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I believe he, has, he, he has taken some hits in credibility because of, Interesting. Uh, of that now you know it may not matter here at all and uh you know but i think it would matter more so right, you know on, on the senate side you have tim melson carrying it. it's also right. a republican from florence right. as a doctor yeah uh, say, you know yeah. and and so it would be nice to have not maybe even if you don't have someone with the longevity of a melson doing mm-hmm. it you have somebody with a medical history in the house uh that that could you know could right. carry it and have the statistics and the knowledge and the and the ability to say hey wait a minute I'm a doctor, and I would like to help my people, mm-hmm. you know, with, with their pain and with their with, so, you know, and prescribing this. So I think that's an excellent point. But I, but one of the things that appealed to me about Mike being the champion was Mike is this extremely religious guy, mm-hmm. you know. And, of course, we know that, that religion mm-hmm. is just interwoven into our state culture yeah. thickly. Mm-hmm. And so you got a guy like Mike— Who's a you know I don't it's probably not fair to describe him as a Bible thumper but he's a definitely a very overtly religious he's, person he's, he's definitely tapping it he's yeah definitely well, tapping the yeah, he's, he's not ta- thumping yeah, it he's he tapping it thumb. okay yeah. I think that's funny I yeah. like that and so I think um, you know for somebody like that to be championing this I thought wow that's probably going to get this thing you know move yeah. it through because he's a he's a really you know person of faith yeah well you're going to have to you're going to get that you're going to get the pushback from that mm-hmm. and, and the thing that's really going to push it back though is is not going to be so much the religious aspect of this it's going to be the pharmaceutical people uh, oh well, of course interest, uh, yeah, yeah the special gonna, interest they're going to dump some money into some yeah. campaigns and so you're going to have yeah. to have some pretty strong willed people and some mm-hmm. people pushing back against that and that's a great point uh, and I, I don't know I don't know where it is now. the The idea that we would uh, that we would bend to that and not bend to helping people and and to what doctors say, 
you know, is is yeah. a little disconcerting. Uh, but you know, we when, well, I mean, when have we cared what doctors said? Well, before? I was going to say this is yeah. you know, unfortunately, I hate to say it, but this is Alabama, and we are science averse, are we not? <laughs> yes, I yeah. mean, we tend to be right. Yes, I mean, that's that's conservatism yeah. these days, that's, right? Uh, yeah, pushing back against all science. Yeah, uh, who knows so, better, science or Trump? And you know, yeah. and we we choose Trump over the scientists, right? Uh, you know, and uh, but it, it still is. You would like to think that mm-hmm. that given where we are here, that that, that this debate has gone, uh, and because I pay attention to uh, and listen to a lot of the debates in the committees about this medical marijuana deal, and the conversations were so fifteen years ago. I mean, the, <laughs> you know, the the concerns and right, the, right, right, Ooh, right, what, right. What, what's going to happen here? You know, what if somebody gets high? And, I mean, you know, and then they wanted to put an amendment on if somebody came to work high, they couldn't get workers' comp. Y'all realize that people are drinking, right? Right. Uh, every day. Every day. I mean, it, and day. it's a lot bigger problem out yeah. there than this. And I mean. Yeah. The only way I can see somebody getting hurt at work from being high is if they don't move fast enough to get out of the way. You right. know, that's about you know, right, 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 right. And then if you're going to single out, I mean, how is, is that going to hold up constitutionally if you're singling out weed? When are we ever worried not, about the Constitution? Yeah. <laughs> Come on, well, man. Yeah, I stand corrected. Yeah. I stand corrected. That, wait a minute. The real Constitution or the Alabama one? <laughs> you know, that's what because, you got to ask. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to, if you're singling out weed and you're not addressing alcohol or oxycontin mm-hmm. or you know whatever else it is that people are using these days seems to me you're gonna have a problem there even yeah you're, you're gonna have a lot of problems uh you know but yeah and, and so that was the other thing that, that struck me about this is is you, they go into this whole thing about you know legalization and what you know what the government says is legal and what we what we push back against and all this and at the same time the people that that are they're deciding that marijuana shouldn't be legal are the same people that legalize opioids. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. how in the world yeah. could you look at, at, at opioids and fentanyl and all the other mm-hmm. a number of other uh, painkillers out there on the market and the damage that they've done Tremendous to, yeah, to I mean damage. entire states, Tremendous you know, damage, and yeah. to think that you could have a drug in, in marijuana. That's never killed anybody. Yeah, never killed know, a soul. Never. Yeah, uh, and and you're going to talk about the dangers of this drug, this painkiller that doctors want to yeah. prescribe. Shut up. Yeah, you know, yeah. It I mean, make, it doesn't make. It's sense. such a disingenuous uh, uh, argument about sense. this it, that it just doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Really, it see, makes you feel like we're still in the 1930s or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. reefer madness. The reefer madness. Yeah. <laughs> First of all, just using the word reefer. <laughs> whenever you use the word, whenever somebody uses the word reefer. I know immediately, immediately. that person is yeah. not is not for this conversation, man. This is this is something that has passed you by. Right, right. You just right. need to back out of this one and go into the house. We'll call you, you know, and get we're, you a nice rocking chair, yeah. put a little blanket over your legs, yeah. and call it a day. Exactly. Yeah. You get home in time for a will of fortune, right? And uh, you know. All right, we got to wrap this up. So you know what time it is. We got to do this every week. Uh, we don't have to do it. We enjoy doing it every week, and that is uh, is picking out our uh, right wing nut of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we had a conversation about this, and we have decided that we cannot limit it to one nut this week. Not this time. No, uh, we're going to go with four, and it is the four 
members of the House who voted this week against federal hate crime legislation passed by the House uh, that would make lynching a federal right. hate crime. Right. Uh, and there were, surprisingly, four people, three Republicans, one independent, uh, who was really a Republican, uh, Justin Amash of Michigan, uh, mm-hmm. joined uh, GOP members, Ted Yoho of Florida, which really missed out on not being YOLO, uh, yeah, Louis yeah. Gomert of Texas and Thomas Massey of Kentucky, each of which, if you told, told me to pick the four people who did this, those names would have been in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis, especially right at the top. Yeah, especially uh, him. Yeah. Now, Amash su- surprises me on that, um, maybe because I just don't know him well yeah. enough. Yeah, well, he's, you know, he has to. But- he, he at one time in the last year he's been semi reasonable and so mm-hmm. he had to dial that back in to get the credibility back mm-hmm. uh, you know among the among the GOP party mm-hmm. so they voted against this and the uh, the the reasoning you know, while you know the words differed uh, in, in some respects um, the 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 central theme of their excuses I guess would be the best way to write uh, to, to term it would be uh, that. They felt like it was a federal overreach uh, to, you know, that, that, that states should be prosecuting uh, the, these lynchings and, and the federal government should not be involved in this. And that uh, it's a it's a federal overreach to him. But, you know, the crime murder is already a, a crime. Uh, and so how much more of a crime could it be to be, a, you know, and with, to which I would say that's stupid. I mean, really, you, you know, they're, they're very if there are lynchings at this point, you know, I mean, what, you know, there are what. They're not even really lynchings at this time, you know. Well, I would say certainly not in the traditional Mm -hmm. sense. Uh, Now, some of us would argue that these vigilante killings that are happening are essentially lynchings, that these unarmed police shootings are essentially lynchings. But uh, but I would say certainly the, the idea, the traditional concept where you have mobs going to jail cells Mm -hmm. and yanking people out of jails and hanging them from trees. Mm -hmm. That's not happening. Yeah. And so I, and I understand point taken, Yeah, uh, yeah. point taken, but so in, but in regards to what this is, is talking about here, that this was symbolic. This was a symbolic act uh, to write a wrong that should have been corrected decades ago uh, in in the statutes. Uh, and, And that's all it was. That's what everybody knew. And so to come out, and do this, first of all, I don't believe any of these four people are are stupid enough to not understand that. Right. Uh, right. And so what they're doing is a symbolic gesture yes. in, in in opposition. Here. Bandering. Yeah. Yes. Bandering they're, to their base. To the worst possible right. people. And, and, I, that, and that that's what makes them the nuts of the week. Right. And I would also add that, you know, to suggest that this is something that only the state should be dealing with is either historical ignorance hmm. or or historical callousness. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, is that lynching was a national phenomenon. It terrorized black people mm-hmm. primarily, even though there were whites who were lynched and there were Jews who were lynched and so forth, but primarily black people, mm-hmm. overwhelmingly black people, mm-hmm. throughout the United States of America, for a, a for a very substantial period of time, which is why literally hundreds of thousands of people have been going down to Montgomery mm-hmm. to see 
the lynching memorial and the legacy museum that Brian Stevenson constructed yes. and EJI constructed because people understand now that this was a this was a historical terror that affected the whole nation mm-hmm. yeah uh, I so mean, because it affected the whole nation yeah. Of course, there should be some sort of federal acknowledgement of this issue. People were astounded to learn of the numbers uh, of lynchings that took place mm-hmm. across the, uh, mostly across the South, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in, in those years. Uh, and when they when they put that up in and, and 60 Minutes and, and so many other people went and, and did stories about, you know, mm-hmm. what was there. And, you know, they pulled the dirt from where these people died and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put the monuments up inside that place. It, it People were astounded to yeah. learn of this history and, and, and what's there. And so shut up. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> shut up. It's 410 to 4. Right, right. You know, right, right. And, and yeah, there were 16 others who didn't vote. And, uh, you know, I don't reason. know. Some yeah. people may be sick or whatever. You yeah, know, you know, it know. happens. And when you yeah. get that many people together, you, you know, you know, that happens. But, you know, I mean, you, we know what you're doing. Okay? Right. Right. We know what you're doing. And you can put all the little pretty words on it that you want to put on it. But what you're doing is pandering to the worst possible people because you think that's going to play well with your folks. Okay? Right. Right. And you're going to stand out to the worst people imaginable right. uh, over this and, and not just take a symbolic vote that that rights are wrong that should have been righted long, long ago. And It, it, just, it should be a no-brainer. But then it, what it makes me question is... When I see like a Lewis Gohmert mm-hmm. take that position, it really makes me think that deep in his heart, that guy really is a hard-bitten racist. Mm-hmm. That's what it just makes me think that he yeah. really, that he really is that guy. Yeah, I, and, and I, I don't disagree, and I, I and I think that it also leaves the impression that um, that their their people are much more callous and much more uncaring mm-hmm. and indifferent to human suffering than, than you would ever imagine mm-hmm. them to be. And I, I, I don't know, I don't know how you end up that way. I don't know how to correct that. Uh, the only way I know is to, you know, try to make sure they get voted out and, and yeah. you don't have that representing you in the, in the United States Congress. So exactly. uh, hopefully that's maybe what will happen, but I, I have some doubts. So here's yeah. your right wing nuts of the week. Hey, I think we have, uh, we've successfully navigated another one of these. All right. Very uh, good. You know. May I uh, just drop something in here? We, The podcast, of course, is posting the Friday before Super Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for those who are in North Alabama, on Super Tuesday night, election night, um, I'm going to be on uh, WHNT Channel 19, the CBS affiliate for North Alabama, with my friends John Meredith and, and Dr. Jess Brown. We're going to be doing election night analysis uh, on the main station, as well as the digital channel, WHNT2, and then I think also streaming on WHNT.com. So check us out. We're going to, we're going to have some, as we like to Say in the business these days, I guess we're still saying this, hot takes. Yeah, hot takes. Are yeah. we still saying that, uh, hot well, takes? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe not. Some, maybe I'm sarcastically. <laughs> maybe I'm dating nah, myself. I don't know. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah. good good election night analysis. Yeah, on, that's, uh, that's what we need. That's what you know. Yeah, uh, you know, and that reminds me. It just uh, just hit me when you said that, that uh, I uh, I have 
scheduled uh, an appearance on uh, Craig Melvin show on MSNBC for awesome. Tuesday morning, awesome. uh, Tuesday morning awesome. at 11. So uh, we're, we're still trying to work out uh, where we might be able to, to record that. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, but uh, as of now we have it, we have it scheduled. So we'll, we'll try to get it, get in there. If you check out Craig and uh, he does a good job. I love Craig, man. Yeah. He's so awesome. And uh, you know, Break your brother off some uh, MSNBC uh, hits, man. You know, say if we could figure out a place to broadcast in Huntsville, yeah. uh, you know, one of the most technologically advanced right. cities in America, right. and I can't find a place to get a hookup for uh, to get on MSNBC or CNN around here. Well, man. we're we're working on some uh, stuff. I hope hopefully. so. Yeah, yeah, we're working on some stuff. All right, uh, David, another another good performance by you. I'll try to keep up and do better next week. Oh, you were just great, Josh. Always good to, to hang out with you, man. All right, y'all. Until next time, this is Alabama Politics This Week.